I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into yet another Inside Carolina Postgame podcast. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyTshirt.com and Congruity. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. Get your small business assessment. Tommy Ashley, that is Greg Barnes, that is Syracuse 86, North Carolina 79. Greg, overall thoughts, I'll start with mine. This is getting to be a familiar look for North Carolina uh, down the stretch of these ball games, but I'll let you uh, speak some truth to it. Well, Tommy, we talked about it after the Miami game on Saturday. Of They didn't really look good closing the game. Uh, in that game, they led by 10 with 721 to play. Miami went on a, a 14 to 7 run to make it competitive there late. Uh, and you know, some people, um, some fans, said, "Ah, you know what? They got to, they got to win on the road. It's okay. It didn't really matter." Um, but we saw the same thing happen again tonight. And the problem is, is that we also saw it against Clemson. You know, if you go back to Clemson, that game was tied 70 to 70, 417 to play. Clemson went on a 10 to three run before that last second three pointer uh, to steal that win in Chapel Hill. Just mentioned what Miami did with the 14 to seven run. Then tonight, North Carolina led the game 65 64 with 716 to play. Syracuse went on a seven, uh, 22 to 12 run over the next 701, uh, really before that, that last bucket by RJ. Um, and look, I mean, Miami's not a NCAA tournament team. Syracuse is not a NCAA tournament team. And yes, the announcers made a big deal about all the success that unranked opponents have had at home against ranked opponents. That's noteworthy. But North Carolina is a team capable of playing for a number one seed. Uh, and their aspirations for that took a pretty significant hit tonight. This is the game that North Carolina needed to win. Um, and I really think the fact that Carolina had four turnovers in the last 202, 
Uh, that's not good. That, that's not how you get it done. Syracuse wanted the loose balls more. They were more active defensively. There's a lot we can get into here, but that's that's my primary takeaway, Tommy. Yeah, you pointed about the, the turnovers. They're exact same type turnovers. I mean, if, if it's not just a ridiculous pass, it is being weak with the ball and, and letting the guy slap it out of your hands. I hate the reviews and all that kind of stuff, but the bottom line is – is Syracuse, to your point, Syracuse wanted it more. Syracuse shoots 63%, and I have put in a request for Adrian Atkinson to do contested, lightly contested, and not contested because it felt to me like they hit an awful lot of contested shots in this game, especially in the first half. But Carolina never adjusted anything, Greg. And then I'm going to say I don't like calling out players, right? But when you say the ACC goes through you, you have to bring it every night. And Carolina had a two-game lead in the ACC when that comment was said, I believe. And now that lead is no more. I believe it's a half game. Greg, this team just doesn't play with the urgency across the board that I think is necessary at this time of year. I mean, it's mid-February. It's getting to be March. Um, I asked Hubert Davis about the finality of Baycott's career winding down, and he talked about that. But then we see yet another effort on the road where the other team is allowed to dictate it. You mentioned not being an NCAA team, NCAA tournament team, but they've got players. Starling, Mintz, Brown, those guys can play. And they want you to doubt them. And they want you to come in and say, we beat you by 36 points a month ago. They want you to think that. And then they come in and they play like that. Greg, that's the most concerning thing for me is the casualness and the lack of urgency that this team plays with far too many times and far too many stretches. And it gets you beat in games like this in the ACC. Yeah, and hopefully this is a an opportunity for Hubert to, to really kind of get the point across to his guys because you got to have to give this team a lot of credit. After that Kentucky game, uh, they started playing with that urgency. And look, I, mean, I think everybody watching this team understands this is not the 2009 Tar Heels or the 2012 Tar Heels. This is a team that when they work their butt off and they play really good defense and R.J. Davis uh, can really lead the offense and they knock down some shots, they can play with anybody and they can they can be a number one seed. But if they don't bring their A game, to your point, they're going to lose some of these games and they're going to have some competitive games. Um, and look, what did Clemson do? They came out and smacked them in the mouth at home. And Carolina had to work really hard to get back into that game. Um, I thought they really learned from that going down to Miami. And they got out to that good start and uh, you know, kind of were sloppy late, but still pulled out the win. And then yet again tonight, uh, you, Syracuse had to have a good start to keep the fan base in, involved and to give themselves hope. For them to be able to go into halftime tied was a massive win for the Orange, and they were able to build off that. Um, Carolina has got to be a team that when they bring their A game, you know, a team like Syracuse is down five or ten at halftime, and you just kind of know that, ah, we have to be perfect in the second half to have any chance. Tie game, that's a little bit different. And so um, you know, this, this team is fine. Um, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in the season. We know this team is not on their peak anymore. They're not playing as well as they were a couple weeks ago. That doesn't mean they can't get back there, 
but they have to correct some of these urgency issues. They have, certainly have to correct some of the efficiency issues late in games. The, the thing for me, and people in the chat are talking about it a little bit, uh, there's also some trolls in there too, which I think is hilarious. Join us. Everybody's welcome here in the Inside Carolina Post Games. Uh, you got veteran guys making bad mistakes over and over and over. And, again, I don't want to single out um, any particular player. It's obvious on the court, but Carolina cuts it to five with the ball and you are and you have a weak possession with the basketball on the side for your fifth turnover of the game. And that's the guy that's played college basketball for six years. I mean, Cormac Ryan's got to be better. These guys are reaching in. They're slapping the ball. They're doing all that. You have to be stronger with the basketball. Look, if we know Hubert Davis, we know Hubert Davis is frustrated as he can be with it. But the bottom line is Hubert Davis has the ability to either correct it or put somebody in there different because I quite rather see a guy that's learning on the job making the mistake rather than a guy that should know better. Um, and again, to your point, Syracuse had to come out strong, and they did. Carolina, for whatever reason, didn't match that intensity. Same thing started in the second half, right? What was it half? They fought all the way back to get tied at half, and then they went down again at half. My concern there is that whatever's being said pregame and whatever's being said at halftime is not translating to the court immediately. Um, let's talk about individual games. You mentioned some stats, and we're talking about Greg Barnes here on the Inside Carolina postgame. R.J. Davis, 7 for 17, 19 points in 37 minutes. Um, Armando Baycott, nine shots, 10 rebounds. So he finished with 14 and 10. He did have the four fouls at Mint's call late, is whatever. But uh, your, your thoughts on the shot thing? I felt this was a game, Greg, that Baycott should have had 30. You know, that was a Syracuse team ripe for the taking in the paint. They got one guy, and Carolina just didn't really attack it enough. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the fact that, you know, Syracuse leaned on that zone for the bulk of the game, I think kind of spoke to the fact that they were willing to, to give up some looks around the perimeter and give Carolina credit for taking advantage of some of those to try to protect against Baycott in the post. Um, really the, the stat for me, Tom, if you go back to the first game in Chapel Hill, uh, it was 58-32 points in the paint for North Carolina. Tonight it was 32-32. So Carolina had a 26-point advantage in the paint. First game, there was no advantage tonight. Um, and that, that to me is kind of mind-boggling. I really, I really liked Hubert Davis's decision to go with Elliot Cadeau um, at the free throw line against that zone. I thought that was brilliant because, as we all know, Cadeau's really kind of struggled from the three-point line, and that allowed you to have your best passer there, which is where you really want to blow up a, a zone, and it gave you three perimeter shooters with, with Harrison and Cormac and RJ. So I really like that. Um, and, and I thought Elliott did a better job in the second half of really kind of making a point to try to get it to Baycott. But – Again, this is a situation, two games in a row, where North Carolina has a decided advantage in the post. And I just don't think Carolina did a very good job taking advantage of that. Because, look, when you look at how the first half played out, Syracuse only had one option, and that was for their bigger guards to attack, to attack, to attack. They did it incredibly well, not just in the first half, but throughout the game. Carolina um, 
is more efficient all over the place offensively. And you've got Baycott. You have a huge size advantage down low. Syracuse is one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. Not just the ACC, but in the country. And Carolina really did not use that to their advantage tonight. 31-23 on the boards for Carolina. Uh, 18 offensive rebounds for 18 second-chance points. Bench points, only 10 for Carolina. I think they mostly came early. You know, Jalen Washington hit a three, and you know, and I thought he played decent while he was out there. He finished with nine minutes. Jalen Withers actually looked like he was going to play today um, and, and got seven minutes. Seth Trimble, you know, first came back. He, he was there for 11 minutes. Everybody else, Greg, as we've talked about, up over 30 with Baycott, the least at 30. Cormac Ryan, 40 minutes of action. Um, Greg, when you're looking at this, they've lost three. They've lost to a bad ACC team who's somehow won some good ACC, beaten some good ACC teams. They lost to, a, I think, a decent Clemson team. And they lost to a team tonight that's got three good players. And, and that's not to disparage everybody else, but Starling, Mintz, and Bell are Syracuse. Um, they don't have any size of note. That That's why it should, it should have been a dominant performance inside for Carolina. Is it cause for concern beyond the usual angst of just losing games and having a midseason lull here for Carolina? Yeah, I think one way to look at all this is everybody got so excited about Carolina jumping out to a 9-0 start in ACC play, and that was great. But by doing that, you're really kind of building in some margin for error, and that's what we've seen. And now that, that margin of error is gone, uh, but because you started so well in conference play, you kind of afforded yourself some some games like this where you didn't play exactly well and, and couldn't pull it out. So Carolina is still right there in the mix, still you know atop the ACC. Uh, but they do have some challenging games coming up. I mean, it's really the only easy one they have is going to be Notre Dame coming to town on, on senior night. Uh, so they're going to have to win the ACC. They can't coast. Um, now, is that is that a cause for concern? Uh, I mean, four of their last five games, they haven't played their A game. And if that continues, they're going to lose some of these games coming up. So I really think it's going to be a situation for Hubert to kind of figure out how to light a spark, um, how to take advantage, win a good game on Saturday against Virginia Tech, and then you got a week off, and you can really reset. You know, if you have to get after the guys and – and run them to make them kind of understand what, what needs to happen, you can do that. Um, but, look, the, the tape doesn't lie, right? I mean, they've, they've had some some games here where they haven't looked like the team we saw earlier in the year. And that has to get corrected if this team wants to to contend for a number one seed. Because, look, the loss tonight, uh, they're off the one line. Uh, and they're closer to the three line now than they are the one. Yeah, I don't necessarily think one versus a two seed matters that much. I mean, I'm sure I could be proven wrong, but three definitely matters because when you're a three, you bring in that seven seed, or excuse me, that six seed that's going to be a good, solid top 20 team um, more than likely. I, I think your point about the schedule, you've got a week, or excuse me, they play Virginia Tech on Saturday, then they have a week off, and then they play the following Monday, and then they have off again. Um, I, I think there has been a grind going on for this team, and I think, you know, that stretch run where they won 10 straight after Kentucky sort of, 
you know, it, it was tiring, but they did it well. And I think these last couple of weeks it, it have been something. And then you sandwiched Duke in there. Um, Greg, looking at a player like, let's talk about Elliot Kadoge because I just want to get your sort of historical perspective on him. We can talk about RJ and Baycott. That's all everybody ever does. But I think Elliot Kadoge as a freshman point guard is worth the discussion. I might push back a little bit on you with the decision to put him in the middle of the zone simply because you put him in the middle of the zone, he missed, what, three straight, or he missed three shots from in there. That is, you, you put somebody in there that can either take one dribble and be at the rim or just pull up and take that shot. He did have some good passes. I don't think they did it enough, the little pocket pass to Baycott. But sort of his progression, you, you followed a lot of this stuff over the years. His progression here, he hit a three, um, four shots tonight, four points, seven assists, and only one turnover. Not a bad night for him. What more can he do to sort of elevate this team? And that's a tough ask for a freshman. Yeah, I think Elliott has, has done fantastic. Uh, just looking at his his numbers here. Yeah, I mean, against Miami, he had five turnovers. I know that wasn't his best performance. But as you said, seven assists, one turnover. Um, and, and to kind of talk about your point there about who you're going to put at the free throw line, the Elliott – other option you got is, is Ingram, which yeah. he, he played there a lot early uh, before the, the change was made. So um, maybe that's maybe that's the better option. But I think the the need to get a three-point shooter out there um, was why that switch was made. But I understand some people have kind of been hard on, on Elliott. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I, I think it's a lot to ask for a a freshman to come in who's not known as a big-time shooter to be very productive. I think he's had some really good games where he's been able to attack the rim. Yeah, when you're going against guys like Starling and, and uh, Mintz who are bigger than you and, and just as quick, if not quicker, that makes it really, really difficult. So really what you want a guy like Elliott to do in this game on the road is to take care of the ball, uh, to kind of keep everybody settled as best he can, and make good decisions. And I thought for the most part, he did that. Um, RJ having that slow start didn't help. But then at the end of the game, when you you got, as we said, those four turnovers the last couple minutes, that really ended up being the the problem for North Carolina. So I think he's he's progressing perfectly fine. Um, Would you like him to make more outside shots? Yes. Uh, He's made a couple last couple games. That's that's good. good experience for him, good motivation as we enter the you know, last month of the season. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a, a knockdown shooter for you. You've got enough of those guys on the roster. Yeah, and I ask about him because, again, I go back to what I started with here is that the older guys on the team have to do better, have to be better. Um, somebody in the chat says, why, why do we give this team a pass? I'm not going to sit here and cuss the players. <laughs> but we we can be critical and be fair about it. And if if you want to hear somebody rant, there's other people out there to do it. But the bottom line for this team, for this North Carolina team now, is Hubert Davis built him a roster that has a massive amount of experience. And they have not played up to that standard that the experience should bring over the last three or four games. You can take Duke out of the mix. That's a whole different animal. Um but to your point, Greg, is is Cadeau's doing his part. I thought R.J. Davis was really going to put the team on his back. I think he had like two shots after I mentioned that there in the second half. Um, 
Baycott's got to step up and be fully on go. Cormac Ryan has got to be better. I think Harrison Ingram's hit a little bit of a wall. Uh, I mean, the grind is tough, but that's why you brought in this experience, and Carolina's got it. And then the bench has to make some plays, and I thought the bench deserved a lot more time tonight than they got. Your thoughts there? I, I mean, that's another thing, and I'll ask you this, is that the rotations, I think they're matchup-based which I don't have a problem with. It's more the NBA style. Um, but you've got guys that are struggling to hang on to the basketball or whatever, and then you've got guys on the bench. I think the bench combined for 27 minutes tonight, Greg. Yeah, and if you look at the second half, Tommy, uh, Cormac, RJ, and Harrison played 20 minutes each, and Armando played 18. So the only guy really that came out was uh, Elliot and Seth Trimble went in for him for four minutes. Um, why is that significant? You know, what have we talked about with, with this roster the last three years? It's kind of the, the lack of uh, depth, the lack of a willingness to use the bench. And early in the year, as we've talked about, Hubert Davis made a point that, hey, this year he's going to do a little bit different. This year he's going to put guys out there and give them opportunities, which is what I believe you have to do. Um, so I think Hubert deserves praise for that. But now that we're this deep in the season, those bench minutes, to your point, have, have dried up. And when you look at Ken Palm's numbers here, in bench minutes, North Carolina has fallen all the way to 331 nationally out of 362 teams. Uh, last year it was 360, and then in 2022 it was 348. So – pretty close to what we saw. I mean, I would imagine if you take out the first 10 games of the season, it's about been the exact same the last two years is what we're seeing right now. Um, now, I think Trimble, uh, we don't know kind of the extent of his injury, um, but he's a guy I think he's certainly earned six-man minutes. And I agree with you tonight. I thought both Jalen Washington and uh, Jalen Withers looked pretty good. And you've got to be able to lean on those guys to give your your key guys some rest. And, um, you know, does that play a role? Uh, you know, that's a conversation I guess we'll have over the next couple of weeks if this kind of late game struggle continues. Um, but, you know, and let me – the other thing I want to say, Tommy, kind of about your point, I thought offensively the team was fine. They were able to knock down some open shots. I mean, they shot 47%. They shot 44% from three. It's a really good night. Most games, I would say pretty much every game, if you tell me that this Carolina team is going to take 27 threes, make 44% of them, they're going to win. But when you allow a team to shoot 63% and you allow two guards who have a size advantage – to take advantage of your guards time and time and time and time again, uh, this is kind of what you get. Yeah, it, it was fascinating to watch them continue to – and they made tough shots. Like yeah. People reference the bank end three. That happens. What George Tech did the same thing. That kind of stuff happens. But when you're hot, those type shots go in. Um, credit Starling and Mintz and Bell for making plays and credit the other guys for doing just enough. But I think you – we can credit them all we want, but we miss the point is that Carolina, once again, does not show up in full on 40 minutes worth of basketball against a team they should have beaten, even on the road, even in the ACC. 
It's a dogfight now. Top four in the ACC get a bye, of course. Tournaments in Washington, D.C. That's not the issue. The issue is going to be where Carolina gets seated in the NCAA tournament. And in the bench discussion, how far down the road their their run is uh, is going to be an interesting take, an interesting watch. A lot, of, a lot of basketball left to play, but Carolina does have a little bit of a break here between the Saturday and Saturday and get some rest. Greg Barnes, I do appreciate it, my friend. Sure thing. Thanks, Tommy. Yep. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com and congruity, congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels. Get your assessment. Shout out to the 634 people that are in here right now. I am going to personally make it my job to scroll through about 2,000 comments when we're done to check out and see what everybody said. I love the questions, love the comments, but I can't keep up, folks, anymore. Check us out at Inside Carolina. Greg Barnes and I will have a next level next week. Pretty good one and all the content from today, tomorrow, and every day at Inside Carolina. Thanks, everyone.